CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by PayPal. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder... Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Tuesday's top story. Let's talk about Do Kwan. He's been sentenced to four months in jail in Montenegro for document forgery. The court has also ordered the confiscation of two Costa Rican passports, two Belgian passports and two ID cards belonging to Kwan and terror executive Han Chang. June. Well, I'm going to toss this one off to you. It looks like Do Kwan is going to be in jail for a couple of months. He's still facing extradition to South Korea and the U.S. What do you make of these this news? I just love a Do Kwan update. Good Do Kwan update. Remember we had like that running segment of like where in the world was Do Kwan? We we're kind of like mm-hmm. thinking about where he might be. Well, we found him. He's in Montenegro and he had a bunch of false passports for a few different countries like Costa Rica and Belgium. And turns out you can't do that. You might go to jail if you do that. So he went to, to jail for a little bit. And then they went through sort of like this process of like, are you guilty or not? And now he is guilty and he's going to prison for four months. And after that four months in jail from prison, guess what he gets? Probably gets extradited to either South Korea or the US. So we will see what happens with that. More than likely, Montenegro is going to allow his extradition to one of these two countries to face alleged charges. Uh, for his role in the Terra Luna collapse. Both situations look pretty rough for him, where he would want to go, either South Korea or the United States. Obviously, the SEC is up in arms against these things, and it's a lot of prison time, but also looks like it's about the same in South Korea. The one thing that's sort of interesting to me running out of this is kept alleging that you know we weren't really running from the law, but still they had false passports. So at what point do you like stop lying? At what point do you say, like, okay, you got me? I was on the run. Here you go. I have false passports. I don't know. Zach? What was that What was that tweet? It's like, your size is not size. Was that a Doquan one? Like, your size is not size for passports, allegedly fake passports. Like, the, the, man's, the man's passport bag is immense. So I don't know. This seems to be sort of like closure to some of the mean tweets that Doquan put out when he was riding high. And now he has to go spend some time in a Montenegrin jail. That's not great. But yeah, what comes next? I think you're right, Will. That's really the big question. Jen, I saw your hand. Yeah, I just wanted to add this a tidbit. According to a Fortune crypto story that cited a South Korean news agency, Do Kwan is still saying that the documents he had were not fake. And it just reminds me of that interview he did 
when when this all kicked off and he said, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't know what was going on. And it just feels like maybe his strategy is to deny, deny, deny. I don't know how you can be sitting in jail for having false documents and still be saying that the documents are not fake. Now, this was from a South Korean news agency, and I do not read Korean, so I could not verify it myself. But that was a report that I read this morning. Wendy, what do you think? Well, don't sociopaths, don't they just keep denying and denying and denying and people that commit really bad crimes, they will take it to their grave. So I don't know. I feel that this is not a this is kind of a nothing burger. You would expect somebody as high profile as him to do something like this to obtain fake identification, etc. I feel like I'm going to play the devil's advocate over here. And I'm going to say I actually feel very, very bad for his wife and child because I believe he had a child. And I understand there's a lot of people that lost money. And that's absolutely terrible. My Luna bag went to zero, which, you know, I was expecting anyways. Um, but I feel like that's the real loser in this case is he he hurt his family and his, you know, who knows when he's going to be able to see, his, especially his young children, when he's going to be able to see them again. So I think that it's very sad. I think it's very sad for the crypto industry. And four months is not really a whole lot of time, but he'll probably spend the rest of his life incarcerated because somebody is going to need to place the blame on somebody for the actions, even if the whole thing wasn't 100% his fault. Because I feel like there's a lot of other players in this. And we've seen that with the crypto contagion, all of these big companies are kind of tied together. And with all of the big banks coming into play, was this or was this not orchestrated? And that's where the tinfoil hat comes in. A lot of these things are coincidental here. But Zach, go ahead. Yeah, four months also times out nicely to October, which is when the SVF trial starts. And I think both these guys are sort of saying, hey, we didn't do fraud. We just messed up really, really bad. And it's going to be interesting (laughs) to see if any of that works in the court of law. I don't think it necessarily will, but that does seem to be sort of the line of argument. It's like, hey, it's not fraud. We just messed up and it was a ton of money. Like, sorry that our blockchain ecosystem entered a death spiral. Sorry that we annihilated a ton of value over FTX and Alameda Ventures. Yeah, I'm watching to see if any of that sort of carries water or if that will be the defense or if something new will emerge uh, toward the end of the year for both these guys who featured so prominently, I think, in the major downturn of the crypto world. Crazy times. Also on that note about the kid, I think her name is Luna, if I recall correctly. So that is also a sad twist of fate. Wednesday's top story. FTX bankruptcy fees already topped $200 million, court examiner says. The bankruptcy attorney for FTX, Catherine Stradler, appointed to check fees in the case said lawyers and others racked up approximately 35,000 billable hours by the end of January. Yikes. Professional fees already amounted to over $200 million, and 46 of the 242 attorneys involved in the case charge over $2,000 per hour. Sounds like hard for some of the fees to be slashed. She asked Sullivan and Cromwell to reduce its $42 million bill by $650,000 for deficiencies in overstaffing, excessive meetings, and vague paperwork. This is kind of what happens in bankruptcy court. This is why you should never go to bankruptcy court. Attorneys are expensive. And to be honest with you, they deserve every penny that they're getting because they have to sift through a bunch of paperwork and deal with absolute incompetent nincompoops. But the thing is, is like I feel very, very bad for the FTX creditors, like absolutely terrible for them. But we've seen this time and time again in crypto with the chapter 11 bankruptcies. And unfortunately, this is the way the law is set up. The law is set up to really enrich the pockets of attorneys um, and to protect those businesses that made terrible decisions while people that were affiliated with those businesses get absolutely reamed. Yeah. So this was really um, crazy to read how much money is being spent. But Wendy, I think you're absolutely right. This is what happens 
in bankruptcy court. One of the findings in in the filing was that, yes, there are a lot of lawyers working on this case, but maybe there could have been more junior lawyers sifting sifting through the paperwork and doing all of that grunt work. I think she, the examiner pointed um, out that there are a lot of senior legal professionals on this. And they even said that many practitioners have remarked not only on the breathtaking global financial scope of these cases, but also on the expansive web of financial misdeeds that preceded and likely precipitated these bankruptcies. So those misdeeds are coming back out as they try to kind of untangle everything. Um, I think it's good that this is being published. It is not anything extraordinary in a bankruptcy filing. But Wendy, I'm with you. I feel for the creditors at the end of the day, like we're just if we're just spending all the money trying to figure out what what's going on here at retail, again, is the last to be made whole or partial at the end of the day. And that is really sad for all of these people who entrusted their funds with FTX. Zach, what do you think? I think we're missing the fact that there's an all-timer of a quote in here. Transforming, quote, a smoldering heap of wreckage, end quote, <laughs> is something that is functional in the context of Chapter 11 bankruptcy. That's a good one right there. A smoldering heap of wreckage does describe FTX as we now know it, right? This is the company that had barely any records at all, it seems, right? Uh, John J. Ray III is saying, most of the correspondence was done via disappearing chat message. Expenditures were seemingly approved by emoji. All these details that have come out in the course of this public documentation suggest that it is quite the mess. So the fact that lawyers are digging through this, seemingly enriching themselves while victims of this alleged fraud don't see a dime is a bit sad, but is very much the way of the world when it comes to Chapter 11 restructuring. I think I would be curious to see if this FTX 2.0 plan ever finds its footing, if there is a way to sort of generate some revenue and get some money back in the door to make past users whole, that would be interesting. Not sure that that's ever going to come to pass, but it's something that John J. Ray III has floated uh, in past conversation. So anyway, $200 million, that's a lot of legal fees, a lot of money, a lot of money going out the door there to probably the wrong folks, but so it goes. Such is the legal process. Yeah, but it's just kind of getting started. They still have a long ways to go. I want to say, oh my gosh, I just got like this brain thing. I forgot. There was a really famous case. I can't remember what it is because I can't think clearly, but it was still going on after like 10 years. So, and you guys know what I'm talking about. I just can't think of it right now. But these cases about, are going to take a very about. long time. There's a lot of things that they need to sift through, things that have disappeared or remain um, a little bit curious. And it's also very interesting that SBF was one of the second largest donor to the a particular. Um, presidential candidate who is now sitting in office. And um, I think not a lot of information will be public due to that. That's just my personal opinion, though. You're talking about I, Mount I, Gox there? Just, just uh, who? Mount Gox? Mount Gox? Are you talking about Toys Mount Gox? Us? The, the... I'm talking about Toys R Us. No, the 10, the 10 year Mount bankruptcy, Gox. the crypto. Ten... No, the, it, was a, it was like a TradFi company. It's so stupid. Uh, I know okay. it's like on the tip of my tongue. I just can't fathom it right now. I is it linens and things? It's... Yeah, it might be Kodak. Toys R Us or linens and things. Maybe Mar Mervins. Mervins, uh, man, that's a blast from the past. California. <laughs> if you were in California in the '90s, raise your hand. Mervins, boom, love oh that. My God. Anyway, we're just going to start you, naming Wendy. off Thank companies you. that have gone through bankruptcy for the rest of the show. Good segment. Nice, nice, good stuff. Good stuff. Mervins, still, I'm still on the Mervins thing. Anyway. <laughs> the FTX 2.0 thing is interesting, Zach. But I want to point out, the last time we spoke about it, John J. Ray III had spent six hours, according to his invoicing, 
you know, deliberating or reviewing documents about FTX 2.0. And I think in the grand scheme of things, six hours, maybe, maybe not that much, but, but maybe we'll have to wait and see. Attention crypto holders, moving crypto is seamless and secure with PayPal. With support for Bitcoin, ETH and more, you can buy, sell, hold, send and check out with crypto at millions of shops online. Not to mention, PayPal now supports the ability to send to and from external wallets and charges you nothing when transferring between PayPal and Venmo crypto wallets. Whether you're exploring the world of Web3 or hodling on for another day, PayPal is the convenient and simple way to convert dollars into crypto. PayPal has your back. They work to protect your financial info and give you confidence every step of your crypto journey. Now's the time to make your crypto move. Get started today at paypal.com slash crypto. Terms and conditions apply. Thursday's top story. Yeah. So just to expand on your thought, um, what seems to have happened is that BitGo floated the idea that it's going to acquire Prime Trust and it got to look at the books and said, no, thank you. And, you know, there, there's a lot of speculation out there right now about exactly what's going on. But, you know, the uh, the, the probable takeaway is that there's something wrong um, inside Prime Trust in terms of their, you know, actually holding on to customer assets, which is not good because Prime Trust is primarily a custodian. Um, and that's their one job, as they say. Jen, I saw you want to jump in. Yeah, I was just going to I wanted to unpack that speculation a little bit more. So this is obviously like not anything that's confirmed, just speculation that's on Twitter. Yes. But there's some speculation that there's a cease and desist from a state regulator. There's some speculation that there could be a hole in the balance sheet. And it just feels like we've been building up to this tweet, Zach, this morning that feels so reminiscent of times past over the past few weeks. You know, bank, a subsidiary of Prime Trust failed for bankruptcy a few weeks ago. Then we had True USD, which has a banking relationship with Prime Trust, pause mm. on minting the stablecoin. It just feels like all of these things have happened. And maybe in the past few days, took a look at, at this company and said, it's just not a good time from a regulatory perspective. And it's maybe not a good business decision given what's going on with the company and companies that are affiliated with it. Zach? Yeah. I mean, you have some clients just straight taking to Twitter and saying, hey, you know, just so you guys know, Prime Trust has suspended deposits and withdrawals allegedly at the behest of a state regulator. So some of that speculation is informed speculation we can posit. But as it relates to what's driving these problems, I think that is in the realm of speculation at the moment. But you are seeing companies that have worked with Prime Trust in the past go to Twitter today and say, hey, just so you know, deposits and withdrawals suspended. So something is indeed going on over there. When yeah, do you want to get your take more than sure. rumors? Well, I really agree with David's take on this. I have heard from a source of mine that they have been in trouble for quite some time and that it is all very true that there are issues with um, their balance sheet and whatnot. I won't comment on what caused it, but yeah, that's 100% true. They are having some issues and that's pretty much all. It's really sad to see because it feels like with all the recent actions of the SEC kind of attacking crypto that our ecosystem in the United States is going to be forced to the TradFi entities, which people are championing for. Good. That's fantastic for them. I'll grift along with them and capitalize on that as much as I can financially like everybody else. But at the same time, it's a little bit scary to see. And I don't think people really are going to understand the long-term effects if we don't have a lot of smaller crypto asset companies in the space. 
um, we don't want to see a monopoly in the U.S. like we've seen with like cable companies and with other big U.S. banks. But that's just my opinion. I'm an idiot on the Internet. <laughs> yeah. And specifically to the SEC and the regulatory situation, the timing here is potentially very ironic, perhaps, because what's working its way, albeit slowly and hesitantly through the House right now, is a market structure bill that would create a position specifically for custodians to serve exchanges, which is what Prime Trust was already doing. Um, so they were sort of ahead of the law here, potentially. But it looks like they're not going to make it to the point where they would have some position in the market enshrined in law that would have been very good for them um, if, if that had happened. Um, so the, the timing stinks, it seems. Yeah. Also, just like a historical footnote, BitGo, right, was almost acquired by Galaxy. Uh, and that deal did not go through. And that's been sort of winding its way through the courts with a bit of closure recently. So the idea that BitGo is now linked to two failed acquisitions, largely for very different reasons, is a bit of a, a footnote that should be mentioned. I don't know. Jen, any final thoughts on this one? We can change gears. Well I was going to ask uh, David a question just on the topic of opinions and, and speculation. Previously, when it comes to news like this, we've seen the markets react, but they've been kind of stable. Like, well, does that tell you tell you anything? The markets haven't done anything on this news? Uh, it looks like Wendy might have something. Can I? I don't. Well, I'm just looking at the message from my person and... They had a particular free service regarding lending out different coins to cover fees. And um, the people that I spoke with opted to not use them for that reason. And that could be the reason why mm. they are in hot water. That does not sound great. Um, to answer Jen's question real quick, I think one reason might simply be that they're relatively small. I don't know the numbers, but um, the notices that we're seeing from customers are from relatively obscure exchanges and services. So it might simply be a, a matter of footprint, like they're not that big uh, in terms of market impact would be my thought. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 